Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, good morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to conclude this series that we're calling Teach Us to Pray. Remember, this is what the disciples had asked Jesus, and that's when he gave us the, the Lord's Prayer. And so I get to finish this today, and, uh, and as we have been doing, if you've been here with us, uh, we have been saying the Lord's Prayer. Now, this time, I, I want you to listen to it. In fact, um, I, I brought a song that I want you to listen to, and uh, this song is, um, is near and dear to my heart because uh, it, was, it was sung partly at least by my dad. Um, as some of you may know, he was, my dad was in a, uh, in a country western band called Brush Arbor, and uh, they would sing this at the very end of every concert. They even sang it at my wedding. Uh, and so this is a little special thing that I get to hold on to, even though my, my dad isn't with us anymore, he's with the Lord. But uh, so I want to invite you to listen. Is that all right this time? Yes. Let this kind of pr- go, like pour over you. It's, uh, it's sung in the King James Version, so that'll be on the screen for you. Uh, but uh, let's listen as my dad and a few other guys sing the Lord's Prayer. did that on purpose. Are you, are you missing something? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I think so many of you who have heard this feel like you're missing something in this, right? Well, actually, today, it's kind of what I want to talk about. Because this sermon is titled, The Last Word, and I just want you to notice the last word in the Lord's Prayer. Now, are, are you itching to, to hear the ending? Okay, now the ending is a traditional ending. I'll explain that in a second, but um, I have to just let us hear it. All right, are you ready? All right, here we go, here we go.
Okay. Isn't all like a little bit better with the world now? And yet, I just have to remind you that this beautiful, amazing ending is probably not the way that Jesus originally prayed this. Uh, it has been added on. Okay? Uh, in fact, in your Bibles, um, any modern translation will have a little, at least a little footnote or some brackets or something that will say that this part was not in the earliest manuscripts. It, it means that it was added on. Now, it, it, may, it most likely had been added on within 100 years of Jesus' death, right? But it, it was a, a, a way to pray this prayer in a service, in, in, in the liturgy. And, and it was a beautiful ending. But it probably wasn't the way that Jesus ended it. And what does that mean for us? I'm going to talk about that today. And first, let me just you know, point it out. Is that a problem that this isn't here? Uh, no. In fact, um, I just love that our Bibles are so honest. Okay, they, they will come right out and tell you when there's any discrepancies. And I just want to point out that it's never about anything that's really important. Okay, now this is important words, but really there's a few reasons why it was added. First of all, it's really just a repetition of what's already been said. Right, it is that, that he is hallowed, that he is glory, that he has power in his dominion and, and kingdom is reigning, right? This is the same thing that, we're, that we talked about already. It's also, it's also straight out of scripture, okay? Some would say that this is a direct reference to 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in and in all the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, okay, these ideas are clearly scriptural. But I think there's another reason why this, is, this was added on, and I think it's a very human reason. And that is that we don't like to end with evil. We, we don't. In fact, even as we say this publicly, when we say the Lord's Prayer, this part is kind of the downer note. We kind of say it, in fact, sometimes we say it kind of quickly, in order to get to the kingdom and the glory. Because we as a people are people who would rather spend time on the mountaintops. So the arc of this prayer is kind of like a mountaintop then it goes down into our needs and our temptation and evil, and then it rises back up to another mountaintop. And we like that. Just as you applauded and you felt a little bit, a little bit like something was missing when we just ended on evil. However, just as Pastor Ryan has kind of encouraged us to pray this prayer in the morning, and in the evening, one of the things that I've been doing this week is to at least pause on evil. Deliver us from evil. Yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's asking God to deliver us, but it's, it's a recognition that evil exists and it's real. And if one thing I want you to hear today, I, I don't think we should just skip so quickly over that. 
In fact, sitting with it, realizing it, is the only way that we can fully understand how powerful what Jesus has done for us is in our life. And so we have to do that. We have to sit with it. The truth is that we face a lot of evil in our world. It doesn't take much, doesn't take much convincing of people about evil. Let's face it, right? Um, uh, you know, I don't have to make up any argument to prove the existence of evil or prove that we need deliverance from evil. Um, everybody agrees that there is evil. They may disagree and you may have to prove, you know, point out arguments at least that there is a, 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 a being who is love at the center of the universe, right? That there is a God, but you don't have to argue the existence of evil. We know it, right? As I, as I think about my news app, I, I kind of scroll through the news and time and time again, I see evil all around us. It's everywhere. It's, it's, whether it's, it's war, it's disaster, it's terrible, awful things. This week alone, this week alone in our church, you guys, it's been a hard week. I just have to, have to tell you, it's not been an easy one. It started last Sunday. We had a, we had a 19-year-old kid die in a car accident. There's a 23-year-old kid who died of cancer. A five-year-old little girl died of a, a, lung, a lung disease they didn't know anything about, you guys. This is all just in our church. And I just heard that, that there were three service members who, who died overseas just today, this morning. There's this sort of thing happens, and it's, it seems like at times that it's all around us. And you guys, this week, it's felt like there's just too much evil. All I can say is I don't know. I, I don't think I could handle it. If I didn't know that there is a deliverer who is going to right every wrong. That all of that will be dealt with and, and one day there will be no tear. You see, although evil might literally be the last word in the Lord's prayer, I want you to know the good news is that since we have a father, our father is also our deliverer, evil will never have the last word. Amen? Amen? And this is the good news that we, that we walk with, that we go throughout life with. This is because the prayer suggests that, that our father is in the delivery business. It's what he does. It's what he's always done. Ever since page three, right? Evil enters into this world. And what does God do? He begins his delivery plan. He doesn't allow those first two to, to deal with the full weight of their sin. In fact, he begins the delivery plan. He does that by creating a people. And then he, he does that by actually sending those people into Egypt 
That was a part of his delivery plan. He, he delivers them then from Egypt. It's a part of his delivery plan. He, he you know, all throughout, whether it's, whether it's David, he delivered them by, a, by helping this little tiny rock to slay a giant. Or Esther to become a place of authority so that she could stand up to a king, right? God has been in the delivery business ever since the beginning and is most fully delivering us. He was most fully delivering us through Jesus on the cross. Because it was through Jesus on the cross that he was delivering us and conquering the powers of evil and of death by dying on the cross. He's been in the delivery business. It's, it's both God's identity, it's who he is, but it's his occupation. It's what he does. And like I said, I don't need to convince anyone of our need for deliverance. Because the Bible paints a picture for us that we are in a battle. That we are in a battle against evil. Or if you remember, it, it was right in the beginning. Right in the beginning that evil and temptation was there. In fact, this whole prayer in some ways could be seen as a prayer against evil. We, we hallow the holy name of God. Why? Because the word holy means set apart. Set apart from what? Us and evil. He is different. We, we invite the kingdom here. But remember, the kingdom isn't coming into just some vacuum of lack of leadership. No, there was a bunch of kingdoms of evil that the, the kingdom of God is invading. We pray for our daily bread. Why? Because of the evils of, of, of hunger, of greed, of scarcity. We pray for leadership over temptation because we are sinful and we hurt each other. Right? And now we are summing this whole thing up with a prayer. God, deliver us. Deliver us, please. God, we can't take it anymore. That's how I felt. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. And that's the prayer that God is inviting us to pray. Or to pray understanding the battle. Understanding the battle that we're in. And it all starts with the, the part of the battle that we have at least some control over. And that's our battle with temptation. Okay, because um, let's face it, there's some evils in the world that we just can't control. But temptation is one that we're supposed to learn how to control. So we pray, lead us not into temptation. Now, um, there's been a lot of, a lot of um, work and study done on this phrase and what it's actually saying, because let's just face it, it's a little bit of a strange construction in English. Lead us not into temptation. It's kind of a double negative almost. And so we have to get at what it's saying here. But one thing it's definitely not saying is that God ever does lead us, lead us into temptation. We know that God never leads us into, tem into temptation. So if you are tempted and you, you give in, one thing you cannot say is, why, oh God, why did you lead me to temptation? 
That just, that just is not allowed. And we know that because it's as if James knew that this would be an objection. And James says this, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Okay, pause right there. He does not tempt anyone. So some have said that it might be useful for us to think about the prayer, lead us not into temptation, to think about it spatially. Okay, now let, let me see if I can, I can explain this. Um, to think about spatially would be to think that like temptation is a place, like maybe it's a room that we were to go into, or I found it more helpful to think about a pit that we fall into, right? Temptation tends to be those things that we fall into, and if that's the case, the prayer is actually a prayer to invite God to lead us around or over, not into. And so we're inviting God's leadership and guidance in our lives. And this is important because guess who's responsible for temptation? Okay, we, we like to blame Satan, right? But look what James says. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? Your own desires, my own desires. You guys, um, it, it, temptation, according to James here, is kind of our own fault. We fall into temptation and we're tempted because we have misordered desires. Our desires are not the way that they should be. In other words, we, we want the wrong things. We desire the wrong things. And we don't desire them the way that God wants us to. What, what we need is to develop the heart of Jesus. Because it is only Jesus whose desires were ordered in his life in such a way that although there was temptation, he did not give in. We need to develop the heart of Jesus. Because the biggest battle is, is not not always the, the big things. It's not every, thank the Lord, it's not every week that we have a week like we just did. Thank the Lord that we don't face the big, big evils all the time, but we all always face this, this residual evil inside of us, right? This thing that wants the wrong things. And we need to learn to control it. Now, I have to point out, because some of you may be thinking um, that using Jesus as an example seems a little unfair. To say, hey guys, just avoid temptation like Jesus, okay? You got it? It kind of might sound like saying, you know, avoid the bunker like Tiger Woods, right? Or, or, um, or avoid the pick like Patrick Mahomes. Will he do it today? I don't know, right? Uh, all this it kind of sounds like, guys, I just can't do it. And, and, and let me just say, I mean, I know that uh, I, I realize that, you know, like Tiger Woods and, and you know, Patrick Mahomes, they, they might have hit the genetic lottery of sorts. But, um, 
same time, they are as good as they are and they make the sport look as good as they do because they have put in the time, consistent, daily, ongoing attention to their craft. That's why they're good at what they do. And can I just suggest to you today that the craft of living a godly life is very similar? That we need to put in continual, daily, ongoing attention to the craft of living well. This is how we're going to learn how to avoid temptation because it's an ability that we learn, that we grow in, that we put effort towards. Otherwise, we would probably, he would have taught us to just pray, God, take away evil. God, take away temptation. Wouldn't that be so much better? Wouldn't that be just great? Oh, God, just take it away. I don't want it. He doesn't tell us that. He says, and this is important, lead us. Our prayer is for God to lead us, meaning that we have to follow and we have to learn his way. We have to develop his heart if we're going to learn how to avoid temptation. And so if you're out there and you're feeling like you're losing the battle of temptation, let me ever so gently suggest that it might be time to allow the Father to lead you into some training, into some practice, into some more effort into developing the craft of living a godly life. And I, can I tell you, that's, that's, what we, that's what we wanna help with. We would love to help you with that. There's lots of ways to do that. I'll, I'll tell you about some more in the future, but, but one thing just in our website, efcc.org resources, there's tons of ways to talk about teaching you how to pray. That's a practice that we develop. To, to read the Bible, it's a practice that we develop. To, to fast, to all the different things. There's tons of resources for you. But it might be, God might be calling you or leading you around temptation by inviting you to train. And we need the training because we're developing an ability. And I want you to point out, know the good news is that we can develop an ability in such a way that no temptation has ever overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. I, the way I memorized this, the old NIV said that you will be able to stand up under it. That we can, if we, if we wanna be people who stand up under the weight, the oppressive at times weight of temptation, we've gotta to learn to develop the ability And we do that by crying out to the Father. If, uh, if you are out there 
and it's just, it just seems like too much. Um, I, I just need to tell you, it, you're not going to develop that ability by, by one hour a week at church or one hour a month or whatever it may be. You're going to need to develop some other tools, even some other people to develop that. And so I, I want you to know right now this week, there's groups that are starting all over the place. And we'd love to help you get involved in a group. Maybe it's taking a class so you learn a little bit more. Maybe it's stepping out in faith and serving, using your gifts and abilities. It's amazing how God grows us that way. But there's lots of ways, and we'd love to help you do it. But learning how to handle temptation will help us limit the amount of evil that we cause. But there's still a lot of evil in the world that is completely out of our control, right? And so for that, we just simply pray, deliver us from evil. This has been, this week, this has been the prayer of my heart. Deliver us, please. Now, some translations will say, deliver us from the evil one, okay? And we'll just add the evil one here. And, uh, and that's a perfectly legitimate translation of this text. Literally, the phrase says, deliver us from the evil, all right? So it could be referring to the evil one as Satan. Or it could be like it's translated kind of just general evil. Now, I just have to point out, I think there's a little bit of two pitfalls if we go in too deep on either one. If we focus too much on Satan as the evil one, then I think we can miss a lot of the evil, the other evil in the world, even the evil that we cause. And if we make evil just too general and broad, then it kind of becomes meaningless. I believe this is an invitation by Jesus himself to bring all of the evils that we face in our world and lay it before him, asking him to deliver us from this evil. In our cry to the Father about evil, can I, even in our anger about evil, even in our deep hatred about evil, I want you to know something. That, and this, is, this, is, this has been powerful for me. I hope it is for you. And that is that God agrees the Father agrees with your hatred of evil. In fact, he hates evil more than you do. So we can pray in agreement about evil. He hates it. I still remember the first, one of the first memorial services that I officiated as a pastor. I was about 26 years old. I was fresh out of seminary and, and good news of all my classes. There was one class where they took one session to do a brief overview about what funerals and how to do a funeral. So I was really prepared. <laughs> and uh, and at, at 26, um, one of the worst things happened. There was a, a there was an 18-year-old kid who was a part of my youth ministry. He had just graduated. He was out on a hike. He tripped or something, fell down a cliff, and drowned to death. Pointless. See, meaningless. And so 
the, the father came to me and said, I know my son would have wanted you to do this memorial service. I immediately thought, um, isn't this one of those ones that you, you know, push to higher command? <laughs> Someone else in the higher chain of command here, right? There's other people that are much more qualified than I to do this. Um, but okay, okay, okay. I'll do it. And so um, as a kid, I'm leading this memorial service. And there's 800 to 1,000 people in the worship center there, crammed in. Dad gets up to, to say a few words about his son. And I'm going, oh, man, I don't know how I do that. But I'm standing next to Dad. And Dad's a little rough around the edges. So Dad's doing pretty good. But then he's, the emotions are getting to him, right? Which, who wouldn't? And all of a sudden he says, you know what? This is just, this is just poop. But he didn't say poop. <laughs> and he kept saying it. This is, oh, he just, it was, there was so much emotion in the room. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, what do I do? What do I say? What do I, how do I close this? And he just, he's going. And, and I, uh, I, look, I don't think I'd do this again this way necessarily, but at 26, I do feel like this was one of those times when the Holy Spirit was with me in a weird way because I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, you're right. This is. I said it. <laughs> I thought to myself, I thought to myself, this pastoring thing has been good, but this is the, <laughs> this is the moment when I'm done. <laughs> but you guys, the, the room was silent. And as the Holy Spirit just seemed like, gave me the words to say, and God agrees also. He hates this more than we do. And he hates death. He hates sin so much that he sent his son Jesus to take the full weight of it on the cross to conquer sin and death. You guys, that is the truth. That is what we celebrate. And we know this is true because the scripture tells us that God hates sin. In fact, the scripture even tells us that we are supposed to hate evil. Listen to this. Proverbs 8. Fear of the, fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. That's what the fear of the Lord is. We're to hate evil. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now, let me, let me just be clear. We hate evil. We love people. Okay? We do not hate people. We hate the evil that hurts people. That's what God hates about evil. And this is what we've got to hold on to is that God will win. Love will win. And so we pray confident of Christ's victory. Even in the hardest of times. Because the war has already been won. It's been won by Jesus. It is only because of his victory over the powers of sin and death that we can have any hope in rising above them. So we pray, deliver us 
from evil, knowing that he has delivered us. He has been victorious through Jesus. Now, I think this is just fascinating that Jesus invites people to pray, deliver us from evil because of who is praying it, who's inviting us to pray it. Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, pray that God would deliver you from evil. Well, guess what? How would God deliver them from evil? Oh, wow. Through Jesus. Basically, what they were praying is that Jesus would be sent to the cross and that he would die. It's powerful. The other thing I think is just mind-blowing about this, Jesus would invite us to pray a prayer that he would later pray. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he would pray, Father, take this cup from me. He's basically saying, Father, deliver me from the evil that's going to come. And yet the Father did not deliver him from the evil that would come. In fact, in this amazingly beautiful yet crazy way, the very fact that God did not deliver Jesus is the only reason that we can pray, deliver us. It's because of what he did for us. I love how Albert Schweitzer put it this way. He explained what Jesus is doing here. See, Jesus was not called. He was not called to just live. He was called to throw himself on the wheel of the world of history so that even though it crushed him, remember he was crushed by our iniquities, it might start to turn in the opposite direction. Jesus was called to be crushed so that we can find deliverance. And this is why Paul in Colossians 1 would say, he has delivered us, amen? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. It has been done, it is finished. We have victory, he has delivered us. And yet, um, I'm absolutely 100% confident in this, but I gotta tell you guys, on Tuesday, as I sat with a beloved family in our church, watching their 23-year-old son gasped for breath as we prayed and read scripture while he died. You guys, it didn't feel like victory. It, it felt like the very opposite. The weight of evil in the world can be heavy. And I don't think we're supposed to just pass over it. I think we're supposed to sit with it 
and do battle on our knees. We're supposed to do battle in prayer about all the evil in this world. This is what Jesus is inviting to. Instead of wallowing in despair, instead of just passing by evil or trying to ignore it, you can't just go to the next mountaintop. We need to be people who deal with the reality of evil in prayer. So if it's the kind of evil that we have a say in, if it's the kind of temptation, we need to remember that this is a reminder to, to, to develop to develop the, the ability, the desires of God's desires, his heart. And if it's the kind of, the kind of evil we have not, can't do anything about it, we just cry out. We cry out to God. Invite him to meet us here, to come into our life now more and more, just as he did and just as one day he will be. Because the truth is that our Father has delivered us. He is delivering us. And there will be a day when he will fully deliver us from evil. This is the truth that we live by. He is still in the delivery business. He is still delivering us day by day. Where you've had success, let it be a reminder that God has been with you and let it encourage you that he will continue to be with you. And because of this, we can know confidently that evil will not have the last word. Do you know who gets the last word? Of course you do, but Flip to the last page. Flip to the very last page of our Bible because on the very last page, Jesus' last words to us are the most comforting words we can find about evil. His very last words are this. It says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. He is coming soon, and when he does, evil will not stand, but you know who will. And so what our prayer then in response is this prayer, come Lord Jesus. This is a direct translation of an Aramaic phrase. The phrase is Maranatha. We cry Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, just as you did in the past, would you come into my life now? Knowing that one day you will come and that you will correct every wrong. So we pray, come, Lord Jesus, that is our mountaintop. Even though we may sit at times in the valley, there is a day when he will come. Lord God, we ask and pray that you would deliver us, Lord, please. It hurts at times. It is so painful, the evil that is in our lives. We just wanna be real with you. And Lord, we cry out to you, we ask you, please take it away. 
And Lord, pray, we pray that you'd be delivering us more and more today, even in the, the temptation that we face. Would you do that just as you did in the past and how, as you will powerfully do in the future. And so we cry out to you, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.